transporter? Well, an awfully small one. I believe it's a molecular synthesizer of some kind, similar to a protein sequencer, but far more advanced to water. Cold. I saw a similar device in a Tarkalian vessel. It was capable of replicating almost any inanimate object. If we had one of these in engineering, we could make all the spare parts we need. I wonder what else is on the menu. One pan-fried catfish. Smells like the real thing. Well, not bad. I got there's a catfish within 130 light years. Its genome is stored in Enterprise's computer, as is the recipe. The station evidently scanned our database. It would have been nice to have been asked. I can only imagine what else this thing knows about us. Captain, you gotta try this. Thanks, but I'll stick with whatever chefs are. I'll be on the bridge. Some pan-fried catfish sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Pan-fried catfish, anyone? Why not? This is Will. I think I'll taste it. This is Will, Substack, Sci-Fi Guy, and... We're going to be talking about replicators. The little magic, sparkly, twinkly light boxes of the Star Trek universe that pretty much grants every wish. Sort of like a, a digital com computational genie. Or what did Topol just say in that clip? A molecular resequencer? A molecular resequencer sequenizer or such? Now, we've been, well, we've been treated to a form of replication. Um, of course, I guess they called them protein sequencers back in the original series. Of course, um, it, was a, it wasn't as flashy, right? They would uh, go up to a, a food a food service or food uh, replicator. What would they, food, food box or, you know, or protein sequencer, as Paul says. And they would put in a card and out would come Coffee, a sandwich, a turkey. I remember what was it in one of the episodes? Of, I want turkeys. I want for the for the crew. They replicate turkeys and such. And today, what are we? Today we have three D printers. Are they replicators? Well, they're they're certainly becoming more more powerful. More rep. Uh, more ubiquitous, cheaper. They're replicating themselves. Someone was saying in one of the clips I was watching before that now replicators, or rather 3D printers are replicators, are printing and creating their own parts. So in effect, they are making themselves. They're creating, they're replicating themselves. 
interestingly enough, in the uh, before days of, of Star Trek, uh, prior to Star Trek, uh, science fiction writers would call them replicating, or just replicating or duplicating technology. But the term replicator was not itself used until Next Generations, until Star Trek. And a next gen, because in the original series, again, you had these food slots or food service stations or what have you. Um, food synthesizer. And it says, uh, this is from the wiki, it was described as a 24th century advancement from the 23rd century food synthesizer seen in Star Trek, the original series. In the original series, food was created in various colored cubes. And in the, in the animated series in 1974, various types of realistic-looking food could be requested, as in the episode entitled The Practical Joker. So, what's really um, connected to all this is science fiction or hypothetical machines, um, one called the Santa Claus Machine. Named after the folkloric Santa Claus is a hypothetical machine that is capable of cre creating any required object, capable of creating any structure out of any given material. It is most, most often referenced by futurists and science fiction writers when discussing hypothetical projects of enormous scale, such as the Dyson Sphere. These type of future constructs would be too large for many civilizations to build directly, so they would need a series of machines to intelligent intelligently build the machine with little or no direct control. So here we're having um, machines that could be, make enormous, say, Dyson spheres, star, uh, starship or starships. And of course, in the Next Generation episode where they bring back Scotty relics, they encounter a Dyson sphere. In this uh, wiki, it says that in the other extreme, suppose the resultant post-scarcity economy could lead to a near utopia. Star Trek being the most culturally prominent example of this possibility. Um, and that's, I guess, the, the danger, you could say, or the, you know, the risk. Uh, what, is, what is the risk of having a machine, a box, a replicator that could give you anything? Uh, in, in 2016, an article in New Yorker noted that replicators may be a metaphor for the distant endpoint of the Industrial Revolution. And they point out that the technology as presented in Star Trek The Next Generation changes the moral equation of being human because nearly anything you want can be created with a request. True. Um, you know, I mean, well, right now we have, certainly we don't have anything that, we, you know, well, 3D printers are still pretty primitive, but we can pretty much get any food we want through Uber Eats, <laughs> through just any, uh, you know, uh, delivery. So we pretty much can have any food delivered anytime we want. Certainly not in an instant, but pretty close, pretty quickly. So is that changing what it means to be a human? Of course, we had a, if we had a box at home, you know, sort of resembling our microwave, but we touch a button, anything comes out of that. I guess there, it would change a lot about um, our society and our expectations. And I guess even our, our cuisine and our tastes. Because then, um, I mean, things could be tweaked within that recipe, within that, you know, replication. But I would think it would pretty much taste pretty much the same all the time. And when you cook, you can use a pinch of that, a dash of this. I guess a replicator, you could probably tweak it and have reprogram it. But 
Would it be as sort of analog? Would it be so, you know, on the fly and spontaneous? Or would it always be sort of that digital, you know, pattern and program? Um, interesting. It says, this is again coming from one of the main wikis. This is according to an academic thesis. The so-called replicators can reconstitute matter and produce everything that is needed out of pure energy, no matter whether the food, medication, or spare parts are required. So a replicator can create any inanimate object as long as the desired molecular structure is on file, but it cannot create antimatter, dilithium, latinum, or living things of any kind. However, other replicators, such as the ones used by the aliens in the TNG episodes, for example, allegiance, could create living things, including the brain's many trillions of dendritic connections where memory is stored. And of course, um, if you have a show which you can just press a button and, <clears throat> excuse me, create a person or you know an entire starship within a couple you know minutes, sort of uh, you know quashes all the uh, the drama from it. Um, right in the same wiki, it says replicated technology, if produced on a large scale, cannot be used to create complex objects such as a starship or a shuttlecraft. The Deep Space Nine production staff felt that being able to replicate entire starships at the push of a button would severely impact dramatic potential. However, in the DS9 episode for the cause, industrial replicators are used to replicate large components of ships, shuttlecraft, and other pieces of this sort, which are later used in shipyards to construct such vessels. Yeah, because if you have this technology and then it's only used sparingly or it's only used... Uh, in certain situations or certain, you know, crises, then why can't you just have much bigger replicators that could create an entire starship or certainly the parts, you know, all the components, and then you just kind of slap it together. Of course, why couldn't the replicator just, you know, create it as well? Or, you know, you know like you create a tennis racket or, or a musical instrument, you know, with enough energy, why couldn't, uh, why couldn't you do, uh, you know, an entire uh, starship? What's really funny to me is there's um, a segment in here. It's saying about Voyagers says the ship's energy constraints on the journey back to the Alpha Quadrant meant that replicator supplies had to be strictly controlled, leading to a replicator replicator rations being an unofficial ship currency. This is also the reason Neelix, aside from providing the crew with morale boosts through the preparation of fresh food, became employed as the sh ship chef. Some agreements came in the ship's hydroponics laboratory. Well, as we know. Um, a replicator and a transporter share the same technology, molecular rearrangement, molecular manipulation. But transporters take far more energy. If you're beaming down even a small away team, a landing party, four or five people, even two or three, you're having to you know, break apart, disassemble living beings and then reconstitute them. And reassemble them. So whipping up a cheeseburger or bowl of you know, tomato soup that I think Paris used to like in Voyager is a little bit of a less of a task than uh, transporting an entire you know uh, away team. So, but of course they had to give Neelix something to do, and he was a great cook, wasn't he? Everyone loved his food. Hope you guys enjoyed listening. Um, keep on the, the comments. Keep the feedback coming. It's great. And, of course, if you have not subscribed, you, you could do so as a free subscriber. But then as a paid people, you get all the goodies. 
$4.99 for the paid subscription, and you get a lot more. You get some exclusives that the freebies do not get. Either or, thanks for listening. Live long and prosper. We'll see you soon.